Yep. Bless you. <coughs> Bless you. Sorry, my voice is kind of weird. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to open with prayer and we'll get going. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time together. And uh, thank you for everybody here. And I pray for those who aren't able to make it. And um, Lord, I just pray that you would speak through Ann and I. Um, just like you did last week, Lord, I pray that you would um, take the conversation in this class where you need it to go. And I um, uh, pray that we would learn more about how to do a better job in our relationships. Um, in your name we pray, dear Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'll get this started. I don't know. Is it recording? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. It is recording. All right. Real quick, before we dive into class, I was going to share this. I think you had mentioned it before, and I had shared before that Leona had given us uh, this little thing. It's called the Daily Mood, and it's basically different emojis, and then it describes what that emoji is. And it was something that she gave us in an effort of doing what she called checking in. And it was something, this was an easy way for us to put into words how we were feeling that day or what we were, what we were dealing with at that particular mm -hmm. moment. Um, and it's something that, uh, so we picked it up and I had told you guys I would show you what it was. So we'll pass it around so you, we'll pass it around so you can see it. I think, it's on, I think it's on Amazon um, if you're interested. Uh, but it was a way to easily describe what may or may not be going on with you emotionally and so sometimes um, it's hard to put into words how you're feeling yeah so and, uh, that was something that we had talked about and I wanted to make sure to share that with everybody yeah and go from there so um, do we go into the review this week or should we <laughs> skip that it didn't get well, very far than last Gina, week did you say you had something you wanted to share oh yes yeah please so last Sunday we had a really great time of sharing and very personal and um, I wasn't even going to stay for class and I'm just so glad I did because I didn't know what that day was going to hold and every one of you here in this that was in that class you poured into me and you just filled me up and encouraged me all the words that you spoke to me. I went to my friend who was dying of stage four cancer and to visit with her after I left here. Hmm. And when I left there, she was so bad that she didn't walk me downstairs and let me out for the first time ever. And I cried all the way home because I thought, I don't know when I'm going to see her again. But God had given me such of filling up and it was just strengthening me and as I was driving home my brother was calling me at the same time so I got home I called him back and our father had died that day oh I'm so sorry and this is our biological father who supposedly never wanted anything to do with us and I just kept thinking how everything that morning had prepared me for that day wow and the the part of losing our father was um, our mother had poured hatred into us towards him towards him yeah 
and all I could think about was it was our fight with God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And I want to say that as this week went on, I found out that he had been going to church. And he had even started singing again in church. Wow. And so even though I never got to meet him, I don't know him. They divorced when I was two. He never was a part of my life, ever. Hmm. But I had a sadness that he was gone. Yeah. I felt that loss. And I didn't think I'd feel anything. But God gave me that peace. Yeah. And I know that everything in that day was ordered of him. And as I found out throughout the week, you know, more things that gave me peace regarding that, regarding the family. Yeah. And also in ministering to my brother who's not serving God right now. And he was very close to our father. Yeah. So this, this has been um, a real experience for me this week. And then this morning, I woke up with a song, a little chorus, I don't know if you know it, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's a little chorus we used to sing in the church I went to. I woke up with that song on my heart, and I'm thinking, okay, thank you, God. And it just kept going over and over. And as I opened my devotion that morning, guess where the devotion was? Psalm 91. <laughs> And I just am so thankful, uh, you know, that sermon this morning, God is speaking to my heart and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. And He is ordering my steps. And I just want to say thank all of you for obeying God. And He spoke everything into me, poured all that love into me, and that has got me through this week. Wow. So praise God. Thank you. It's quite a testimony. Um, last week was pretty special. It was uh, <clears throat> it was a smaller group than we've had normally, um, but it, it it got deep and it got intimate quickly. Uh, <laughs> Lord kind of hijacked uh, hijacked our, <laughs> our, our our lesson our plans for the lesson, but that was good. Um, and like you said, I think I know for me that that has stuck with me all week as well. So mm -hmm. praise the Lord. Um, so this week we're going to not review where we've been, and we're just going to jump right in. And what we'll, the next on the dimensions of truth that we've been talking about uh, is humility. And humility is one of those words that I think as a Christian and I think in the church has gotten um, kind of skewed. I think the world has taken that word and made it something that it's not. Um, so before we define it, what do you guys think of the word? Somebody says humility to you. What do you think of? I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah? Why? Because it makes you feel humiliated. Yeah. Okay, so you relate it to being humiliated as opposed, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Bow down in sacred reverence and for it to honor and to be respected. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Leona? No, I'm going to turn it around. 
That's okay. <laughs> I immediately think of Moses. Huh. Okay. Because he was described as the most humble of all. And he was not of himself. And normally, when we think of the word humility uh, or humble, um, we think of bowing down, we think of being lowly, but we don't think of somebody who's able to declare that of themselves. And so I find it very interesting that, like you said, the world's definition of humility and our use of it in a lot of ways has actually been humiliation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not really what people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to say that word as being weak. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Being out of control, not in control, but letting somebody else walk um, all over you kind of a thing. Yeah. Or, yep. Yeah. To humble mm -hmm. yourself to that situation. It's like to give up your rights or give up. And so it became like a sign of weakness for me mm -hmm. when I understood it before. Mm -hmm. Now I don't. I see it totally different. Totally different. Like now, it's, to me, as being totally surrendered to the Lord's will for, for me. You know, to just yeah. depend on Him for that service. Okay. I know for me, I saw it as very. Um, if you were humble, you didn't take compliments. Um, you were very self-defacing. You were always deferring to somebody else, um, which, in turn reflected its way in ha not having any value, um, was not important, that kind of a thing. The blue guy on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. The blue guy. The blue guy, uh, really big built. Um, tracks, oh. I didn't do the name of something like that. Oh, in one of the movies, is I am exceptionally humble. Ah, it's like, I wait, love it. doesn't that point opposite <laughs> <Right>. directions? <laughs> I'm really funny. proud of how humble I am, something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so one of the definitions we found was that it was a modest or low opinion of one's own importance or a lack of pride. Uh, and then C.S. Lewis, I thought this was good, said humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And I thought, C.S. Lewis? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. I like that because it, in for my definition, humility was always about being less of self. And in, in this definition, C.S. Lewis implies that thinking of yourself isn't necessarily bad. You just have to do it a little less than you would normally do it. And for me, I was raised in a way that I didn't think of myself at all. I was low, humble was lower than low kind of a thing. So that gave me the freedom then to be, oh, so I can think of myself a little bit. Maybe be, dare I say, a little selfish or a little bit, it's okay to have desires of my own in a way, whereas before, being humble was to have no desire, which isn't what the word means. Go ahead. So what's the opposite of humility? 
pride. Yep, pride. So we found some things that we thought were interesting between the differences between pride and humility. Um, pride focuses on others' failures. How often do we find ourselves saying something about <laughs> It's their fault that I'm this way. Um, and humility real, realizes how far we have fallen short and have overwhelming sense of our need to grow. And uh, for that we found Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when I think about that in my humility, it's like, wow, I don't deserve God, what God is doing for me. Pride would be self-righteous, overly critical, and fight and fault-finding. So that would be a characteristic of being, or a description of being prideful. By comparison, humility would be compassionate and forgiving. Uh, we found Ephesians 4.32 to be kind of, to, to reflect this same thing. Be kind and compassionate towards one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Uh, the next one. Uh, this one gets a little more touchy for me. Uh, looks at their life through a telescope, but others with a microscope. For pride um, and for humility looks for the best in others how easy is that to do to look for the best in others you're getting in a conflict or or something I don't know that I really try to look for the best in that person at that time um, Matthew 7 I've got to look this one up Matthew. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. So Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I like the comparison of the telescope versus the microscope. Um, for me, that really put it in into uh, a, a, that was a really relatable word picture. You know, a microscope sees down to the the smallest degree, microns and atoms and molecular structure, and all the way down to that, and yet. If I'm prideful, I'm looking at my life through a telescope <laughs> who only sees this much and is looking at it from a long way off. So, yeah, it's really small, my faults, my, my issues. Um, I spend a lot of time looking through binoculars at different things, whether it's an eagle's nest or something I'm trying to find off in the distance at the park. And you'd be amazed how much you list, how much you miss. Have you ever heard the statement? I'm looking through. I, I watched the. Uh, I was thinking about this with Taylor's wedding. I saw the wedding through the lens of my camera. How much of the wedding did you miss? Because you only looked at it through the lens of your camera. You know, you think of a video it takes a whole picture. 
but there's still areas that are cut off. There's a frame that you don't see. So there's a lot that you're missing. There you go. No, sorry. Um, yes, yes, Don yeah. Doesn't get any more. And that was James what? Four, six, seven, and eight. Six. Doesn't get any more simple. Although bowing down to that is hard. Yeah. Letting go of what you don't have and what you do have. That situation. So that you can yeah. promote the situation that somebody else needs to be promoted. Yeah. So you have to remove yourself. Pride looks down on those who aren't as spiritual or committed as they say they are. Humble seeks to win people, not arguments. Argument, arguments, arguments. Um, how easy is it to see when you're in an argument with somebody to see what you're arguing about versus seeing the person? We talk a lot about our emotional needs. When we're in that disagreement, whether it's our spouse or a friend or in that relationship, how, how, how easy is it for us to get stuck over whatever it is we're arguing about and you're not seeing the pain or the hurt <clears throat> that the individual is responding out of. Um, I know for me, uh, with us, um, learning to see her versus whatever it is we were arguing about was one of those kind of light bulb moments. Um, I was always stuck in... Winning the fight. Winning the fight, yeah. Winning the argument, proving my point. Um, why I was right or why she was wrong or why this was the best decision versus that decision. Sometimes it wasn't even a right or wrong. Sometimes it was a why we should go left versus right. Let's, you know, they both go to the same place, but I'm going to go this way. Well, why'd you go that way? This way's faster. <coughs> Who cares? Does it really matter? What is going on within her that is making this an issue? Um, that was that was big for me. Uh, let's see. Is it? Is it? I don't know. So we found this a little bit in uh, Romans ten one. Rather, in my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for them is for their salvation. How many of us look at a person? And our first thought is a concern over a person's salvation. Uh, I can tell you for my own sake, that took a long time to get to a point where I could look at somebody, whether I like them or not, and be more concerned about their salvation than whether or not we were okay or I got along with them or not. And on some days, I'll admit, I still don't do that. There are still people I look at and I'm like, yeah, not going to happen. But I don't care. 
but that's not what the Lord would have me think. So next one, thinks they know who, so pride, thinks they know who is truly proud and truly humble. How many of us want to be the judge on that one? <laughs> uh, and humility realizes only God knows a person's true motives. And for that, Proverbs 21.2, every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Kind of another version of that same thing opposite again leaves the judgment of the heart in God's hands so in other words that person that we think is annoying or irritating or whatever is still God's child so it's still ours to help and to be there for and to assist and to love and let the Lord figure out whether or not their heart's right. Yeah. You know? I, um, Joe and I were listening to something this morning. It reminded me of the day the speaker brought out and made a comment about reading his sermon. I'll, I'll never forget. Um, I never was really a fan of her voice. Of who? Which is weird. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, okay. Uh, and I say weird just because she had a beautiful voice. That was not yeah. the issue. There are certain singers who who have voices that everyone, you cannot argue. Yeah. But for whatever reason, they're not my, you know. Um, and I remember when it first came out that she was struggling with, with uh, substance abuse and uh, suicidal and I was thinking about her and I was judging her my mind just you know and I'll never forget the Lord saying you need to stop huh. she's my daughter instead of judging her why don't you pray for her and it was it just it completely it rocked me mm -hmm. it completely rocked me I was driving then it was not a legal thought until we came from the Lord and um, stopped me in the sense of um, what is it about whatever it is in her background, in her own personal journey, in her own experience as a child? What trauma was she acting out of that drew her to My heart never broke for that yeah. before the Lord inserted. So I was operating out of pride, thinking that I was um, rightly dividing and correctly looking at. Yeah. You know, things that are going on with people that are, you know, in the media and all of that. And, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, pride is insidious. Yeah, it really is. It is completely, um, I, it, it will catch you off guard. And I'm thinking, you know, well, I am. I, that's what, you know, this is what's going on. She got picked up. I mean, that's the truth, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I was just going to say, um, Pride is um, pride is very good at running in us at a subconscious level. Yes. And um, just with some of the brain stuff that over the last year that we've been looking at and how how so many of our brain functions run at a subconscious level, um, I think that if we would look more closely, especially in married couples, that we have a lot of pride that runs. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we're quick to judge a maid or quick to to 
discern a mate's motives when in the same situation like Whitney Houston, you can be married to somebody and you can know that person intimately, but you don't really know how deeply the trauma that they suffered, whatever trauma it was, whether it was their own family trauma, whether it was physical trauma from some other accident or whatever, we don't know how that trauma affects that person because we weren't there. There's only two people that know exactly how that, well, there's only one person that knows exactly how that trauma affected that person because on many levels, again, at a subconscious level, I'm not even aware of how that trauma affected me. So I may be striking out at a spouse. I may be upset because this spouse doesn't fit whatever criteria I think this spouse might fit, but I'm not even aware on a subconscious level that I may be doing that because of some trauma that might have happened in my family of origin that now I'm expecting that spouse to meet. So I'm not even aware of it. But the spouse on the other hand, right, now starts making judgments about, well, you don't do this, this, and that, and you should because of A, B, and C, right? And so it really, I think, should give us pause to really step back and really not only, number one, be students of the word, but two, be students of ourselves, right? Because the Lord knows these things, but if we're not students of ourselves and if we're not putting ourselves in a place where the Lord can start pointing and saying, okay, well, the reason that you have this anger when your husband or your wife doesn't pick up their clothes is because of, right? Well, we run on it. We run on this subconscious level. I'm angry at that, and then I'll spew on that. And and the reason you don't do that is because you're lazy. The reason that you don't do that is because I work hard and you don't appreciate how I work, right? So these are the things that we say, right? When there's something much deeper. So instead of us going and saying, "Okay, Lord, show me what's happening in this person." or us having a conversation and saying, help me understand why it's difficult for you to do these things, right? We make those snap judgments, right? Which is really at its core, pride. Because humility is really looking at the other, right? More than yourself, right? So if that's really my goal, then my goal is, Lord, help me see and help me to be that mate that can maybe help that mate see, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe they don't see because it's running at a subconscious level. Yeah. You know, it's interesting on a societal level. Um, look at where we're at in our country. Everybody's reacting to the to some stupid quote or something that somebody picked out of somebody's speech and they're posting it on social and they're reacting to the one sentence. They're not looking at the individual, they're not looking at facts, they're reacting to one sentence that somebody made and off they go, off the deep end. And or now that person, if you like that person, you're just you're right off that same deep end. Um, there's no more of a um, 
there's no more tolerance for everyone says, oh, I'm tolerant of another, whatever you pick anything, uh, whether it be lifestyle, political party, orientation, anything, uh, tone of their voice, if you really want to be silly. I'm tolerant of that. But are they? No, they're not tolerant at all. They're only tolerant of the next of the person who agrees with them. If they, if you don't agree with them, now you're as bad as the worst person you can think of. Um, look at how how much pride is involved in all of that. Um, it used to be okay to disagree. Uh, we were talking earlier um, to. Um, Somebody I grew up with, I don't know if you know, uh, we were talking to Ron Reynolds, Linda's husband. And um, I've actually known Ron since I was like this. Um, and uh, actually before he and Linda were he and Linda. Um, and we were talking about Billy Graham and some different things that we had been to. And Billy Graham, here's a man who met with, I think it was six or seven different presidents. And it didn't matter what political party they were. He was humble, and he honored them as the position of their office. He was able to pray for them, and he was able to pray God's power and and protection around those individuals. Um, and he was able to serve them. And yet, here we are today in an environment where we can't even serve our best friend or our spouse because they comb their hair the wrong direction or they brush their teeth the wrong way or God forbid they like a different music or political party or shoe color. It's, it's really that silly. Um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a totally different thing. Yeah. I had to I had to cross Raptor fans off this year. No, I'm kidding. No, you don't. As much as I, I may declare that they are my best friend and I've known them for forever, or they've known me for forever, I still don't know the fullness of that. No. And, uh, and yet we all default to that prideful attitude of, oh, I know them. They're my best friend. I've known them for 30 years. I don't know them. Just the word tolerant. I mean, it's a little sneaky thing that the devil snuck in because it means to put up with. Yes. What, what's that about? But that's fine. You know, it's okay to put up with. If I but, put up with, it but are we putting up with it in God's place? Yeah. That's yes. The key. That's how it's being used inappropriately. It's now become an excuse for not going back to humility. I'm going to tolerate the Muslims. I'm going to tolerate. Yeah. It's a way that the devil, I think, has begun to create in us more and more, like you said, excuses. Mm -hmm. to not go back to the issue yeah. of the core. Yeah. You had something? Yeah, I just find that it's very challenging that it's hard to have that 
That's exactly what's happening. Now. Has come in now that you you know you can't better not say anything because you're gonna open up this can of worms. Mm -hmm. You weren't you know all of a sudden that it could be spit at you. You know changes that fear is coming into holding you back, and I think that's that's really what the uh, the enemy has wanted to do, especially to the church, is to, to you know yeah. keep yourself humble and you quiet and let let you know and be stepped all over and um, yeah and that's really that's not right. Joe. I, I think, though, in this day and age, um, <clears throat> that God has, humility is a very powerful weapon if you know how to use it. I would agree with you. And I think that one of the things that, um, in this society, which is very true, if you, if you come with an opinion that is not accepted, right, you face backlash. Yeah. But I think that at the core of humility, when you think of humility, think of one, think of the other higher than yourself. I think that one of the things that I've begun to try, and, and, I, and, and I think it helps, it's this. When people have an opinion that are different than yours, right? Something like, okay, help me understand Help me understand why you feel that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're not trying to get our opinion to them. Right. Yeah. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand where they're coming from. But here's the thing that the Holy Spirit does. It also begins to help model to that person, right? Mm -hmm. How we begin to get to understanding. Because here's the other thing. Again, we, we have we sit in a in a place of revelation. Right, because mm -hmm. we're, we're people of God, we understand the word to a certain extent, right, and we understand that the reason why God says that He says that is because He wants us to be in a position to where we can affect change. Yeah. Right. Today, you cannot affect change by going into the marketplace or anywhere else <clears throat> and putting your opinion out there. No. Right. Because everybody's waiting for it, mm -hmm. and everybody's got the defenses up, and everybody's waiting for the comeback, right? There are very little people that have a comeback. So, okay, this is how you feel. All right, let's have a dis let's have a discussion. Which I'm not going to put my opinion out there, but I, I want to understand from you. Help me understand yeah. why you feel the way you feel. Yeah. And listen. Right, Genuine, that's the other thing. Genuinely, none of us are listening. No, we're not. We want to get our opinion out. This person wants to get this opinion out. Yeah. Right. And what's happening? Neither of us are understanding anything. No. No. Because we're all fighting to get our opinion out. Right. We're only listening to respond. What, in, what tends to happen when that happens? Because it doesn't happen often. After a while, people pick up on it, even subconsciously pick up on the fact that, you know what, this person is really trying to understand where I'm coming from, right? Without an ulterior motive, yeah. right? Without, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from so I can use that against you, <laughs> right? Blast you with but it. this person is really trying to understand because that's what we need in society. Because nobody's listening to anybody. We've all gone limbic, yeah. right? <laughs> and anybody knows anything about the limbic system, the limbic system is your is your fight, flight, or freeze. Right. Right? So as soon as you come out to come with me on something, my limbic system kicks in. 
and I'm all over. Right? A higher reasoning is not higher reasoning anymore. We're not stopping and saying, hey, okay, wait a minute. Um, maybe you got something here that I need to kind of hear and understand. Doesn't mean I have to agree with you. Doesn't mean at the end of it, I'm going to agree with you at all. Because it may not change my opinion one day. But what it does is, it helps me, it helps me infuse the Holy Spirit into the situation, but it also helps me begin to model to that person, this is what understanding looks like. Because here's the thing, if nobody models it, right, it doesn't happen. Right? If I don't, if I don't model grace, if I don't model humility, if I don't model understanding, how can you expect people in the world? Because I remember at one time, God, God said to me, how can you expect this person to even understand what you're saying? Mm -hmm. They don't have a spirit. They don't have anything. They live in the world where it said the whole, the whole world is under control of the evil one. How can you really expect that person to understand? It's like me talking to a two-year-old, and I'm trying to explain to that two-year-old, and I'm not saying they're juvenile, but I'm saying that's like me trying to explain to a two-year-old algebra. Yeah. I'm the dumb one because I'm like, how am I trying to teach this two-year-old algebra? He doesn't have the understanding. Well, and, yeah, so why know. am I trying to do that? Which I can't think of a reverse of where it is. Too much has been given. Much is, much is, much is expected. And we all in the church have been given what real, the, the knowledge to know what real humility is. To know, to be able to identify prideful behavior. Um, so to your point we're supposed to be light in the world and that light looks like exactly what Joe was describing um, I'm just going to read this out of the book because I couldn't come up with a better way to say it myself so relational wellness flourishes in an environment of interdependency and open admission of mistakes humility is required for both Humble interdependency is encouraged as we explore together the humanness of our relational needs and the unhealthy lie that we can meet all of, the, all of our own needs. Example, try hugging yourself for affection or giving yourself appreciation in the mirror. Oftentimes, our role as people who care is not so much to talk to people into admitting they have needs but to simply start giving first to meet them. Exactly what Joe was just saying. Uh, what's that? Gina. Gina. Maybe to what Joe said earlier about how things like triggering from the past. My roommate was having a discussion over lunch yesterday, and he was saying, apologizing for he took something small and made a big deal out of it. And I, I apologize, I shouldn't have made such a big deal out of it. And and I was trying to understand where he was coming from and how he was handling that situation because to me it was no big deal. But I, I could relate to, um, I said, well, one thing that you guys will learn in raising is when you raise your, he was talking about tone of voice. If you just use the wrong tone of voice, Sometimes it triggers for me the way that I was spoke to over the years and the hurt and the pain just rises to the top. I said, so if, if the wrong tone is used with me, I'll just get quiet 
dismiss myself from that conversation or I'll leave the room because I don't want it to go any yeah. further because it brings back so much pain. So we don't even realize how just that tone of voice. Yeah. And I think what we did yesterday at the table during lunch was very important because we were explaining to each other, we live with each other, we're like a little family now, how, you know, you need to know that this, this hurts my feelings or, yeah. you know, you making a big deal out of something, it's, it's okay, I understand, you know, we all handle things differently, but we were really discussing intimate um, emotional reactions, and I think that yeah. was really, really helpful. I agree. Often people deny their needs because they've not been met for long periods of time and or they are afraid to admit their need lest they be disappointed when they go unmet. Giving first to their needs addresses both of these issues. Humbly responding to people, whether it's a best friend, our spouse, heck, co-worker, um, doesn't mean getting run over or laying down and being the victim or um, sacrificing yourself per se but it does mean genuinely listening to somebody and genuinely responding out of love as Christ has responded to each one of us um, where are we at in our notes that. Oh, you want to read that? Sure. Okay. So this book was written by David and Teresa Ferguson, and this is one of the stories. Some of us <laughs> have heard this, but it, it illustrates this pretty good. Go so our family had gone out one evening in two cars. I had Eric, our four-year-old, in my car, and Teresa had the girls. My pattern had always been to think, I'm in my car, and I'm going home. Teresa's an adult. She can figure out how to get home. If something happens to the car, she'll know some mechanic to call. I wouldn't know how to fix the car anyway. What I didn't realize was, was my son would help reveal in, in me needed apology and life change. I was needing to learn to think more highly of others and to consider their interests in addition to my own. For the first time I can remember, I thought, why don't I wait for Teresa and follow her home? So I just sat there waiting until Eric said, Daddy, what are we doing? He said, we're going to wait and follow Mama home. I said, I'll never forget what he said next. Why? Don't miss the significance of his question. At four years of age, he was reading my life. He had been reading my selfish preoccupation, thinking it is truth, thinking it is the way to live. For four years, he had been watching his dad jump into the car and say, I'm going home, concluding that is the way it is supposed to be. That night, I was challenged to do more than escort Teresa home. I was challenged to apologize later that night to Teresa, asking forgiveness for my selfishness. I was also challenged to change, being more attentive to her and her needs, being a better example to my son. Imagine children walking through the house one day, hearing Dad apologizing to their mother. It was wrong of me to lose my temper like that. Will you forgive me? Then they see Mother forgiving Dad, hugging and embracing so that the anger does not build up. A few weeks later, they overhear Mother apologizing to Dad, saying, It was really wrong of me to be impatient like that. Will you forgive me? 
They see forgiveness freely given by their father to their mother. Again, they see them hug, embrace, and the anger is healed. These are the potential relational benefits of humility. Sometimes our role as people who care is to listen for needed apologies, and when our relationship is strong enough, encourage a friend or family member to live out the truth of humble confession, helping with our own vulnerable example and suggested words. So I found interesting with the humility and what he was doing, it brought their relationship closer. It didn't, take, didn't tear them apart. Him caring for her and doing that back and forth brought them closer. But we, here on earth, don't, we don't see that. Well, I, see a, I see a bigger thing there from the mm -hmm. standpoint of, look at what his son was picking up. Yeah. Right? So yes. if he had never realized that, right, this is what would have happened. His son would have grown. His son would have married. His son would have done the same thing as father. Mm -hmm. Right? Why? Because when my father, I saw my father and mother, well, my father never waited on my mother. My nope. father always went home. But that's the way it should be. Yeah. So the other thing that we don't understand is the legacy that we teach yes. our children and why it's so important as parents that we get a hold of it. Right? Because in my own family, right, I never saw conflict resolution. I saw a controlling mother, passive aggressive father. Right? When I got married, do you think I even had a clue what conflict resolution was? No. no. Was it ever modeled? Did I ever see it? Of nope. course not. Mm -hmm. Right? Did I know what did I know what a husband and a wife relationship was supposed to look like? No. I thought the woman had to be controlling. I thought the father had to be passive aggressive. Yeah. Why? Because that that's was what, what was modeled. That's what, was modeled. That's what I saw. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So those kind of things we have to start getting a clue on. Yeah. Is that when we're in those relationships and we have those children, it's not just for us, but it's for our legacy because what those children see in that home is what's going to end up being modeled in the next generation. Yeah. 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 Very true. You know, I was thinking about when you're talking about that, and I was thinking of this story that David relays from his of his son. Um, even from a young young person, I remember when my parents would be together or with friends, they would drop somebody off, and I remember my parents would be sitting outside the door. The people are already out of the car. What are we doing? Let's go. I'm waiting until they get inside. Why? Well, because stuff happens. Sometimes you go up there, oh, where's my car keys? Oh, they're in the back seat. I left them in the car. In those days, we didn't have cell phones, so you had to wait till that person got home. You know, it wasn't like you could call. But I've even seen it today, or in recent days, with my daughter. She'll go out on a date. Person drops her off, whew, he's gone. She's not even halfway to the front door yet. Did she make it inside? Well, sure, we're home, but not always. Yesterday we were out, we dropped Brielle off at her car. It was at uh, Asunda's house. She needed to get it home. 
we were all out in Brentwood together, so we swung by, dropped her off, and I sat there and waited for her to get in her car and make sure it started, and we left together. It's not... Some people will say, oh, well, that's a chivalrous thing to do. Yeah, sure. But it's also serving somebody else. It's also being humble to that person. You're thinking of that person's needs. And I don't say those things... For me, it was the way I was raised, so it doesn't really come across. I'm not feeling like I'm being humble or serving. For me, that was a, an instinctive thing to do. Um, it was modeled for me. Um, it's not modeled for a lot of people. Most people, just like the story says, I'm going home, jump in the car, see ya. She's an adult, she'll get herself home. And in today's day and age, oh, she has a phone, she'll call me if there's a problem. Well, maybe, it's not dead. You know, so humility. I don't know if I have a good summary of this, but <laughs> um, I think going back to that definition from C.S. Lewis seems to sum up God's version, a biblical version of humility for me. Um, it's not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. It's not a statement on your self-worth. It's not a reflection of your self-worth. Rather, it is an opportunity to show God's love to somebody else. So before we close in prayer, any we're almost out of time. Snide remarks, comments? I just wanted to add this scripture to my comment earlier. The first one I made is Numbers 12. Um, some translation refers to Moses as the most meek, and in others it's translated the most humble of all men. And he wrote numbers. Yeah. So when we think about humility, usually we're like, how could you say that? You can't say you're humble. But yes, you can, especially using applying this here sort of yeah. definition. And when you look at the character of Moses, and he asked God, no, don't kill them. You know, how many times did he do things on behalf of the nation of Israel? Yeah. where he stopped disaster coming to them when he could have actually himself been promoted. Um, God yeah. said, you know what, but I'll get rid of them and I'll take care of you. And he was like, no. Yeah. And then he always thinks of others more. Yeah. Okay. Joe? Um, I believe that humility is really powerful. really powerful. You know, we, we, we look at it um, so much from the world standpoint, mm -hmm. but for, for, for us who have been given everything, you know, Paul says everything is yours. Yeah. So we don't need to, as we so often do, um, protect ourselves. You know, we're very good to be in the protection mode. We've got, I've got to protect myself. I've got to protect this. I've got to protect that. But really, we don't have to protect anything. Literally, think about it. We, we don't have to protect anything. You know, I was looking for the, the verse when uh, Jesus was being accused, right? 
to form pi level, right? He could have come out with he could have come out with all kind of stuff to save himself. Mm -hmm. He said he didn't, know, he didn't even open his mouth. Yeah. Right. And they condemned him, and they took him, and they crucified him. He didn't have to open. He didn't open his mouth. Yeah. Right. Because his power, his strength, his validation. The judge that judges justly, right, and will settle all accounts when yeah. those accounts need to be settled, right, was going to be the one that was going to take care of that. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Right. So in God's economy, really, humility is powerful because we don't have to. We don't have to justify anything. We don't have to justify why we're Christians. We don't have to justify why we believe what we believe. We don't have to justify, we don't have to justify anything. It's true. Right? No. Okay. Here it is. You don't want to believe it? Fine. The Lord don't bless you and keep you, and I'll just keep loving you where you're at. Yeah. Right? Because one day, every knee's going to bow, and one day, you're going to know the truth, and I wouldn't have, I don't have to open my mouth to justify anything. Right. At all. Don't have to do it. Especially our individuality. Right. We, because in a way, when we start doing that, right, when we talk about the insidiousness of, of pride, it's almost like, you know what, I got to defend myself here because the one that created the universe, I don't think he's strong enough to defend me. Yeah. Right? And yeah. The thing is, even if I lose, if you think of how many of our brothers and sisters are being martyred yeah. for the cause, right? Even if I so-called lose, I win. Yeah. I've already won. Yeah. I've won everything. There's no way I can lose. So why do I feel the need to justify? I don't. I think we lose focus on that. Yeah. That keeping that relationship with him in our eyes up. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's um, close in prayer. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we sit here uh, humbly before you, knowing that we are here, Lord, because of you. Uh, it is your grace and your mercy that has given us the opportunity, Lord, to, to follow you and to commit our lives to you. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would help each and every one of us, Lord, to portray that biblical definition of humility out in the world, out in our lives, so that, as Joe said, we don't have to defend it. We just have to love other people. And it doesn't mean we have to approve of everything they do, but we do have to love the individual. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to keep that in our, in our thoughts this week. Uh, go before everybody here, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Okay.